0: I'm ready. Let's do it! Welcome, everyone, to the... March 26th edition of the Signals from Mars podcast brought to you by the Mars Attacks. Wait, what did I say? Signals from Mars live stream brought to you by the Mars Attacks podcast. Uh, We are joined today by the always eloquently dressed Joel (laughs) Gostin. How are you, sir?
1: Good. How are you? Can you hear me okay?
0: I can hear you fine. Uh, Yeah. Um, Joel is someone that I've had on the show. I think this is the third time that I've had you on over the years. Um, when I, yeah, you know, at least once or twice before, um, when I started doing the live stream, I started looking at people that I talked to in the past and said, I got to get Joel back on because, you know, I follow you on social media and stuff. And, and I think that you've always got, you're talking about interesting things you're doing interesting stuff on on your site as well and you know at the end of the day i love doing the podcast i love doing this live stream to help spread the word to help get people to find out who joel goston is um god forbid i have people on that get pissy with me and say oh what do you mean they don't know who i am well yeah you know there there may be one or two people out there so I, i love spreading the word
1: Well, thank you. Uh, And first of all, it's nice to see you again. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if it was the the only, but I know the first time we chatted um, came up on my Facebook memories this week. It was exactly 10 years ago this week. Oh, wow. We did our first interview. So it's it's cool that we're doing this again.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about so many things in the past, and obviously you're from New Jersey, like myself. Yep. Uh, we both no longer live in New Jersey. Um, mm-hmm. Although you were talking a little while ago that maybe there may be a move back to the area when you're done with New Hampshire, or you're not sure?
1: Uh, well, everything went on pause, obviously, when COVID hit. Yeah. Um, what had mm-hmm. happened was I was living on this four-acre farm up in New Hampshire for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, my then wife and I had the property, and we split up and subsequently got divorced. And it took me forever to sell or get the place ready to go to market. And then once it right. sold right away, was awesome. Oh wow! So I sold the house, got a new car, got a lot of things in order, and then a week later, COVID hit. Oh wow! The place I'm living now is just a small apartment. I basically just moved here to put my stuff out of the rain for a bit. Right. I plan to stay here very long at all. And then the right. pandemic and Here we are a year later. So. But to answer your question, the plan is not to go back to Jersey. It looks possibly like New York right now. Okay. That seems to be uh, the, the stronger possibility. Okay. I'm seeing a great lady who lives in New York. Got so Gotcha kind of makes sense instead of doing the three hour one way trip <laughs> down there.
0: Right. Um, yeah.
1: You know, travel was much more exciting when I was twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I'm gonna try to try to um, ease my my time on the road for unnecessary things, you know, maybe I'll roll the i had roll card. car doesn't have much appeal to me right now if I can avoid it. So sure. yeah, it's like probably New York. But I still have a lot of ties to New Jersey, obviously. You know, my dearest friends are still there. so. Cool. Try to get down there when I can.
0: Awesome. And about a year ago, you released your last book as well. Yeah. So right around the time that uh, COVID happened. Uh, the 3 a.m. Girls and More came out. Uh, Luckily, yeah. you could purchase the book online so that you could have it sent to you. Um, it's funny. A few weeks ago, I... I interviewed someone and, you know, I I always bring up the fact that I hate when people throw up like softball questions or, 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 you know, the asshole question of, so what's the reaction like? Because nobody's going to turn around and say, well, you know, the fans have been saying it's dog shit, you know? Um, so (laughs) a, a year later, um, does do negative reactions to things that you put out stick in your mind, or is is that something that you can put behind you? Because I remember years ago Madonna saying that positive reviews almost bounced off of her, but that one negative person in the room was the person that stuck with her. At, at this stage of the game in the entertainment business, in your you know artistic uh, life, do other people's comments even bother you.
1: Are you asking specifically for 3AM girls or just in general? Um, how about both? Well, with the 3AM girls, um, the only thing that I've received that could be considered a criticism is there were people who suggested I didn't go far enough Okay, <laughs> and if you read the book, Mary actually says, "What the fuck do you want? <laughs> you know, like, read the fucking photo album to go along with it?" You know, right? Because <laughs> in my view, it's 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 the most um, well, first of all, most personal book. But it's got all lot elements to it. Um, and I'm reading, it, I'm thinking, well, what else did you really want? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a chapter in it called "Weekend with a Porn Star," and it's fairly detailed. What more did you <laughs> want? Yeah. So um, that was the only sort of negative thing. As far as negative stuff about other work I've done, I've always, because I, I review records and other media through my website. Yeah. And not everything I've written about has received a, a good review, right? Mm-hmm. So I am of the mind that when you unleash something in the world, whether it be a book, an album, whatever, it doesn't really belong to you anymore it belongs to the person who's receiving it. Right. So they, they can make any sort of um, assumption or conclusion they want. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really bother me. And kind of the model that I've learned to use in, in getting negative feedback or constructive criticism, let's say. Right.
0: Um, Better
1: term. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when I do receive that, which honestly doesn't come too often, but it does, um, I I sort of refer back to my experiences with someone uh, who's passed on now, a gentleman named Andy Gill, who was the band Gang of Four. Right. Passed away last year. And I love that band. I've written about them more than any other band I've posted on the website. But I wasn't always favorable to what they produced. You know, I I skewered him and his band as much as I praised them. He always... Responded to what I had to say, you know, by saying I appreciate the fact you gave this thought. Mm-hmm. and We thought enough about it to express what you ultimately did, right? You know, so it wasn't maybe the, the the rosiest review, but it was very well thought out. Mm-hmm. You know, he always appreciated that, and I could have conversations about what I liked and didn't like about know, what he was doing, and it was never like, "Oh, who the hell are you?" It was, "Oh, okay, well, I'm interested in what you have to say." Right. So I've tried to approach any kind of constructive criticism that way, uh-huh. because he certainly didn't have to give me the things. So right. the least I can do is extend the same in return as somebody who comes and says, you know, I'm not really into this or what have you. Uh-huh. But I, I will say, honestly, I haven't received a lot of negative feedback about things, except that. I think people wanted the the three end to get even more graphic, and that, you know, again, I'm not quite sure how to make it more graphic. Maybe a right.
0: edition. <laughs> <laughs> edition?
1: Yeah, I'm not really not sure.
0: Yeah, you're gonna have to make it into uh, a mini series of some sort to uh, you know play it out. Who who would you have play uh, Joel Gaston uh, in, in a series? <laughs> oh my god,
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Is there any uh, rapidly aging bold drummers out there? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. You <laughs> that, get that one some thought. I uh, do you know who would play some of the girls in the, in, in the movie, though. I will say that. Uh, there you go. I think it will definitely do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I'll be giving that some thought.
0: Yeah. Um, did you get any surprise people that came out and? St- told you that they read the book?
1: Uh, uh, no names mentioned um, because I, I don't want to kind of go there. Okay, that's um, fine. Because it, it, it's, it's somebody I know in the industry and, and it's somebody I don't want to kind of throw in there anymore. Yeah, yeah, okay,
0: that's cool. I'm, was, I'm not looking for drum.
1: <laughs> it, it was somebody who... Um, Actually reached out to me and said, you know, hey, is that book of yours still available? And I said, Yeah, sure. You know, what what's your address? And I you know, he gave it to me and said, you know, so how much is it? I said, I don't either I'm not i am not going to charge you for it. You know, <laughs> right. In the mail for you. And he said, the toy wanna buy it support you, you know, please let please, please, please let me buy it. And would you mind if I if you signed it for me? Oh wow. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> no problem. what i have listening to you since I was 10 years old, I think I can sign the book for you.
0: Oh right, right.
1: Buy it, you know. Um, so that was that was kind of cool. Um you know, a lot of musician friends who I've interviewed over the years um very kindly reached out and told me they got a copy of it and they really went to it. You know, um cool. well, you know, when you like again, when you put something out in the world, you don't know who or you know, how people react. You also don't know who is going to react. Uh-huh. So sometimes you get some interesting feedback, and uh, you know it, that's what's nice about all this media that we have now. You know, it may not be necessarily evident when you produce it uh-huh. how wide-reaching it's going to be. You know, we don't know who's ultimately going to see this podcast, for example. You know, think a year from now will, will spark an interest. But I still get emails from that little Misfits book I put out 15 years ago. Uh-huh. You know, people are really still into that. Um, you know, some obscure, like in my mind, obscure band I did, you know, <laughs> 20 years ago. So never really know what, what's going to reach people. And that's why uh-huh. it's important to always create and to always produce things. Um, because the wider the net you have, inevitably the more people will be caught up in it. Right, right. But they're never going to be caught in the ways that you want them to. Or mm-hmm. just want them to because that's not your choice. You know, right. you have intention to create something. Oh, well, these people are going to like it. But it's not up to you. All, all you can do is produce the best thing you can and put it out in the world, and whoever catches it catches it. You know, and that's part of the wonder of doing it is you never quite know who's going to understand where you are coming from. Right, it'll be surprising
0: or or even the least likely thing that you think that somebody would latch on to you know one thing that maybe you think is an afterthought really strikes a nerve with someone and they reach out to you because of that you know there's um i interviewed somebody a few months back who uh their lyrics are um politically charged but they wrote the lyrics like kind of center of the row where they could be interpreted one way or the other. And when I asked them about it, they said, um, well, actually, you know, once an album comes out, it's no longer mine. Essentially Mm -hmm. what you're saying, it's left up to the uh, listener's interpretation. And he said, you know, even though I lean more towards this side of the aisle uh, when I post online and whatnot, my music is left up to everyone to interpret the way that they want them to, to interpret the way that they want to. So, um, I get exactly what, what you're saying. And uh, to your point, you know, I, I think with, um, the way everything is set up nowadays with social media, with having a website, with having music and just different avenues to put content out there. It's exactly what you said. We're all just casting a net and seeing what we can pick up along the way, you know, whether it's, Again, someone finds out who you are through a book or they, like you said, listen to an obscure band you were in twenty years ago, and you know, all of a sudden they know who, who Joel Goston is just out of the blue. You know, yesterday they didn't have a clue who you were, and now today they want they want to find out all about you. So it's why it's important to be able to put, you know, all the stuff out there so that people can find out who you are.
1: Absolutely. I I think it's important and and, and obvious to to those people who do things like what you're doing and what I do. Mm -hmm. None of us will ever be rich doing any of this. Right. Ever, 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 ever. We can have as as many Patreons as we want. It's never going to happen. So do it for the love of what you're doing. Yeah. Because if you do that, you may only reach a tenth of what you'd like to imagine you're reaching. Mm -hmm. But it'll have greater value to those, you know, that 10% than if you had 100%, you know. Yeah. So I, I, it's about having more meaningful content and have it be meaningful for maybe maybe fewer people than mm-hmm. having something disposable by the masses. And I think that's the key to all of this stuff, is producing things right. that hit people in the gut, just not as many as as, you know, Maybe it could have been 25 years ago whatever when the model was so much different to each right. uh, other. You know, I think that's so important. I think anybody who does podcasting and or website, we do it because we love doing it. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's a legitimate passion because I think the train has definitely left many years ago as far as anybody doing this for a career. It's not right. going to happen. It's, it's not going to happen. <laughs>
0: Yeah. The, the, and the people that do it, I, I have this discussion with others all the time where I want to start a podcast up. You know, I've, I have I've, I've had more than one musician. I've so I sold all these albums in the 80s. And, uh, you know, I'm coming back to the industry now and I'm going to do my podcast. You know, I bet all those people will buy whatever whatever I'm doing. And I said, well, think of it this way. One percent. Of the people that followed you back then are, is your Die Howard audience. 1% of that 1% is who's going to be willing to spend money on you. And a lot of people don't realize, you know, well, why can't I be Eddie Trunk? Or why can't I be Chris Jericho? Or, you know, there's these Foucault comparisons where you don't realize. And Adam Carolla came from MTV. He had you know, an audience on the radio in LA. So when he transitioned, or even a Joe Rogan, who's been in the press a lot lately, uh, because of the money that he's made off of Spotify. Mm-hmm. You have this audience, he brought an audience from UFC, from his standup, from being on TV on Fear Factor, uh, from being on, um, I forget what sitcom he was on. So all that transitioned to bringing that audience into his podcast, being able to cultivate that audience, but he had a built-in audience somewhere else. I'm not saying that podcasting isn't a great medium and it doesn't help you know, people like us get the word out there. But much to your point, you know, um, I'm never going to get rich off of this. I've always spent more money investing into what I do than actually get money out of it. And that's why I always tell people that do follow me on Patreon or do follow what I do here, you know, I appreciate every single one of them because I realize that their time is valuable and they're deciding to spend time with me live on a Friday night or listening to my podcast some other day. So... I'm grateful for anyone that, that wants to do it, you know, that wants to keep up with what I'm doing. And if, you know, I've got like seven patrons right now, I'm thrilled that there are people that actually want to, you know, um, throw some money my way to, you know, interact and do a lot of the cool stuff that I do with trying to promote uh, new music and different things through my Patreon platform. But um, um, I agree. With what you're saying you know it's 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 a rant that i've had for years and and i've seen plenty of big names come and go you you look at um i always use the example of D Snyder D Snyder lasted 11 episodes of his podcast um it's hard work you have to continue to do it and you got to continue to to put content out there or your audience is gone and and like i said you know someone like him sure he could make it happen but you also have to make it entertaining for people and make sure that they keep coming back because there are a lot of people that have names that have tried but just don't don't have the you know the ability to continue to do it and the ability to in some cases talk about other things but themselves so
1: <laughs> well i i think somebody who's who's new let's say who doesn't have mm-hmm. a prior name in the market that's, you know, just somebody who's new who wants to do a podcast, who's a fan, in right. technology, or they want to publish a book or whatever it may be. Right. The number one goal should be to produce passionate content and produce yeah. the content you can produce. That mm-hmm. should be that should be your number one priority. Then yeah. worry about building an audience. Mm-hmm. But you should be able to produce something that is of value to yourself and you believe it. Because right. I, if you do that first, your audience is going to come. Yeah, because, I agree with you. You know, just produce the right con- you know the right content for you that you believe in. You're going to have an audience. But to do anything, whether whether it's artwork or what have you, too solely based on the marketplace, there is no marketplace for this. There isn't. There is right. not. You know, <laughs> like I said, there are you know, the Corollas and the Eddie Trunks. You know, those people built their name in the '80s and the '90s. You know, in the early 2000s with like bottom out. So they have something to trade on. Mm-hmm. I, I have a good friend who um, was in a pretty successful band about 20 years ago. Okay, and this this person has done um, Patreon, right? And has been able to to yeah. you know. Uh, help with with financial issues and things during the pandemic uh-huh. uh, by you know producing very personal content for her patrons and stuff like that. Um, but she she has that name from you know yeah uh-huh. from that era you know. So but to cut out fresh and do like hey we're a garage band check that out on Patreon fuck off. You know, it's, it's not going to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there there are ways that I think you can supplement what you're doing, but definitely to think that you're just going to make a living off of it is just crazy. You know, sure. There, there are... You know, people talk about, uh, oh, well, this influencer now has all these followers. Right. But one thing is having all these followers on social media. The other thing is translating it into having people consistently give you money. And uh, another example is, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Two two Minutes to Late Night, which is like a a series that um, the comedian who, and his name escapes me, I, I wish I had it written down, but he is constantly doing covers with members of other bands, and a lot of the curiosity is, well, you're bringing in someone from Mastodon, you're bringing in someone from Baroness, you're so you're bringing in fans from these different bands, and the ultimate goal is again, his net is to catch people and bring them into to what he's doing, but he's also putting stuff out several times a week you know it's not just like oh well i'm gonna drop a a little hey how are you like once a month and expect people to just hang out and just you know give you 20 bucks you know it just doesn't doesn't happen well that good i'm
1: sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i apologize no
0: no i was gonna say you have to give people something you know something that they've Find a value, not just, you know, hey, not 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 everyone is a super huge band that can, like, crap on a newspaper and sell it and make millions off of it. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that guy's channel. I, I watch it for that very reason. You know, who's it going to be this time? You know, we yeah. had Max Weinberg doing what they do, you know. That was great. So for me, it's like, well, what, what, what <laughs> it be now? You know, so yeah. he kind of happened upon this very cool concept right now during – the pandemic, where logistically it makes sense to have all these different people, right? For something to do, and and you know it's become popular enough so the participants get something out of it. I've heard of new bands I was unfamiliar with by watching that guy's channel. You know, like like who's that band? You know, like we see mm-hmm. all, all the bands that are represented. It's like, well, who the hell is that? You know, then I'll go find those records, and that that's brilliant. That's great. Right. But you know, as an overall statement. You know, if people look at what happened 20 years ago with file sharing and how that was the beginning of the end. And, you know, Rob Zombie right now, this past week, I think topped the album sales chart of Billboard right. number one with 12,000 records sold. Right. My my punk band from the '90s sold 40,000.
0: Right. <laughs> you know? It's it's so different. Yeah. Yeah. It's. So, but, I mean,
1: it, it's a liberating feeling, too, you know, mm-hmm. because then that marketplace factor isn't relevant or not as relevant as it once was. So people can do things without having to chase something. And mm-hmm. it just comes down to, you know, what they want to do, and what they want to communicate and how they want to communicate it. So people right. are in those things where there isn't that pressure to be you know, I have to get a record deal. What does that even mean in 2021? Right. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's been very liberating in that respect, and um, you know, technology has enabled this conversation to happen. You know, absolutely, for you know, that guy who does those uh, the, the Midnight Bell who does all those all those videos. It's like you can <laughs> coordinate people over the world to make music. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that to me is far more exciting. <laughs> than than trying to like follow the charts, right? Which obviously, they're irrelevant. If the Rob Zombie, bless him, could sell twelve thousand records in one week, there were bands in the nineties who lost their tour support for selling forty thousand copies in the first week of release. I know these people, right? So the model and what, what's crazy to me is the music industry still functions in the same barometers they were using twenty five years ago right guitar success you know then he had these poor bastards in these bands who are closing things like i had two million streams on spotify so right <laughs> you know so the barometers are really just out of whack you know um so uh, but again it goes it goes back to Lincoln park having a billion streams or whatever it is on the youtube and amount mm-hmm. dollars in your pocket you a very, very wide gap there. You can right. having new streams on your Spotify, enjoy your McMuffin the next day. You know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, the financial incentive to do this is almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. So you really have to just focus on what you should have been focusing on all along. You're just creating something of value to share with
0: Yeah.
1: I think it's a positive in that respect.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um Someone who you've interviewed and have had a a relationship with over the years is Bill Ward. Um, Were you surprised that he came out recently and mentioned that he didn't feel that he could, that he was no longer up to doing a tour with Sabbath? Uh, I mean, I know it was a big headline, but I think at at the end of the day, you have to look at, you know, Bill's age and, you know, and, and not only Bill, but all of Sabbath. I mean, how many of them could tour nowadays what they did 10 years ago? I don't think any of them could.
1: I, I think the um, time for bands that became massively successful in the 70s um, to, to tour regularly again, I think that ship has sailed. Right. J- just because of human biology. You know, there are some guys who can do it. I just talked to Rick Lee from 10 years after. Uh Those guys are still doing what they can do. But they're also not playing at the massive scale that a Sabbath would play after. Right. Um, Bill is in his early 70s now. Um, He's had, just in the last few years, some health issues, as Uh one commonly does at that age. Um, Drumming is an incredibly physical job. Yes. Um, not to take anything away from Ozzy, but of the two, Bill has a more physically demanding job. Right. Than Ozzie guy, for example. Um, but you know, like these guys, you know, it, it's it's almost like how how much longer will any of these people be around? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Stephen Tyler just turned seventy-three today, I believe. Right. Um, you know, there, there's always these people hammering on about, can I get Ace and Peter back in KISS? Can I get Ace and Peter back in KISS? Yeah. These are old men, you know, who made their mark before I was born. And I'm, I'm going to be 44 this mm-hmm. year. You know, sometimes you just have to realize the records are going to be enough.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> be enough. Um, as far as Bill specifically, um, last time I saw him was in 2018, okay. Um, and we met up after he had given a book reading because he had published his book of poetry at that time mm-hmm. and artwork and stuff. He had given a reading out in Los Angeles, and he had mentioned then he had had some, uh, you know, more recent health health matters that were uh, prohibiting the use of his double kick, for example. Right. Um. You know, these things happen. It doesn't take away from. What he's done in the past, you know. Absolutely. Um, you know, again, you know, human life has a sell-by date, so these bands are going to as well, you know. And we're even seeing that with all the '80s bands who are going who here now in their 50s. And right. You know. Um, you know. Sometimes the fans had to give up the dream. Personally, <laughs> I, would, I would have loved to have seen um, the original Sabbath end on that farewell tour. Uh mm-hmm. huh. Um, no disrespect to uh, Tommy, who did the role for that work. Right. Um, but I think that was kind of the last chance, mm-hmm. you know? while they're all still alive, which is wonderful. Um, you know, <laughs> you know. So sometimes people earn the right just to kind of put their feet up too. You know. Yeah, uh, I agree. You know, people retire if they work at a bank mm-hmm. in the sixties. Why do we expect our rock stars to go into the drop?
0: Right. (laughs) And and the the, the misconception too, the misconception too, you brought up Ace and Peter, you know, people think that they're getting Peter from 77, which was already, you know, um, 40 some odd years ago, you know, as, as you're saying, the, the body deteriorates and, um, you, not everyone is genetically gifted to be able to keep up with, you know, a lot of a lot of what they were doing back then. Um, I don't understand why more people don't do what the Bee Gees did. The Bee Gees, towards the end of their career, did five shows a year, one per continent. And they charged they charged a hefty bill. You know, they charged a lot of money, but it was your only chance you were going to see them. You want to see them this is your only shot. So they'd play a stadium on five biggest continents and then they would charge like a hundred, 200 bucks a pop. And that was it. So they could prepare for those five shows, have enough rest in between. So they would be, you know, on the top of their game for what they could at that time. And that was it. And then even further on down the line, they just would do one show in Australia, do a pay-per-view to the rest of the world. And that was it, you know, a, Kiss is my favorite band, but, you know, if they were to do five, 10 shows a year, you'd get, you know, you'd get a much better performance in my, in my opinion, because you're, you're not going out and just running the machine into the ground basically. Cause, cause again, you know, it's guys in their seventies uh, running around with, you know, the, the boots and the makeup and the outfits, plus the instruments that, you know, aren't always a uh, Paul isn't exactly light, <laughs> you know? Um, so you add all those things together. I think that there are smarter ways of, of doing what they're doing and making, you know, maybe not as much money, but close to, you know, what, what they would be making it if they were playing, you know, 300, 250 shows a year.
1: Hmm. It'll be interesting to see um once this, this pandemic is finally over, um how many of the classic artists will be returning to the road. Yeah. I would I would suspect a pretty large number of them are already done.
0: That. Yeah. That's a good point,
1: yeah. If you see certain bands before last year, we're not gonna see them now. hmm Yeah, you know, because it's just fine. You know, eight, 18 months is, is an well, extraordinarily long period of time mm-hmm. for someone in your 70s who isn't out there doing the bus there. It doesn't matter if you're touring, staying at five star hotels, the greatest bus in the world, private, you know, masseurs, you know the whole thing. That, that right. doesn't matter. If you're of a certain age and you're living in a, in a vehicle for 18 months or how long it's going to be, it's going to wear on you. And I think there are plenty of musicians, not just Bill, but I think a lot of people we grew up on will just not come back to the stage this quick. Yeah, yeah, no, okay. I, I agree with you. Yeah, just you know, um, and and again, no, no reason to fault these people, you know. Um, uh-huh. But there are some people like you know Barry Manilow, for example, of whom I'm a fan. I saw him in Vegas a couple years ago, and he's seventy-six at the time. Okay. And he did Vegas residency where he was killing it every night. I and mean, he was he was fantastic, very physical show, very into it, very you know up there. Mm-hmm. Well, there are people who can do it. Um, but the vast majority, I think, I think the classic rock wave of touring acts, I think it's coming to an end. And then we're yeah. gonna start seeing the new classic rock, which will be the late 80s into 90s <laughs> stuff.
0: <right>? <laughs> <laughs> Our generation is probably gonna be the classic rock guys. Yeah yeah we we will see um someone who's no longer with us is lee kerslake and kind of i guess about a year before he passed away i don't know if he made amends with ozzy or at least ozzy made a gesture when he presented him with the uh, album plaques that he lost and you know he wrote a letter to him and uh you know i don't know if anything went beyond that someone that you've been in Contact with, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is Bob Daisley. Um, do you think that there will come a point in time where Bob and Ozzy kind of, you know, cross that bridge, or do you think that ship has sailed a long time ago?
1: Well, that's another example. Um, you know, Bob is, is from, from my understanding, from my knowledge, mm-hmm. Bob he is retired from touring. Right. Uh, I know he's been working on the project for at least a couple of years. Right. A surf kind of project with a friend of his. Um, but again, that's another example. You know, Bob's in his 70s, Ozzy's 849, you know, <laughs> where's it gonna go? You know? Yeah. Um and I, you know, I I can only speak to what I've published online and written right. about as far as the Ozzy Bob thing. Um you know, so I don't really know how how much resolution has been made to some of those issues. So Bob, wonderful guy to have on your show if you haven't already. Um,
0: yeah, I've tried many times. <laughs>
1: um, and as far as Lee, um, I I, I didn't know Lee terribly well. I was in touch with him for a bit, because um, right. I had done a, a feature on my website about the Over the Mountain Drumming Show. Right, uh, which is kind of turned into a little bit of a controversy because um, Frankie Banali, who I also knew, yeah. he had made some claims that he came up with that intro mm-hmm. um, when he was jamming with Ozzy, you know, early on. as well. Yeah. You know, um, and we and had a problem with that. So all I did was I contacted Lee, I contacted Frankie and Bob Daisley, who has kept diaries forever right you know, he kind of came on and he kind of gave me dates to kind of back up you know what we were saying and right know, i don't i don't think it was for me to definitively say who did it who didn't as far as that drum beat all i did was kind of put all the sides together right um, but i found i found lee to be a very nice guy mm-hmm. a funny guy um somewhat abrasive but, uh, a cool guy, and we we exchanged emails. We spoke on the phone, I did talk to him. And, you know, he was he was he was a good guy, and I know he was working on his solo album last time I talked to him. Right. That album has just come out in the last mm-hmm. month, called "Eleventeen," which is a beautiful record. I do not heard it yet.
0: I haven't heard it yet. I, I knew it was coming out, but I didn't know that it was already out. So I'll have to check it out definitely.
1: Yeah, I think it's out on Cherry Red Records. Oh, okay. But it's a beautiful album, beautiful album. I'm going to be writing about it. Hopefully, soon on the website. Just a gorgeous record, and it's a so whole. Cool he got to the finish line. I wasn't sure where he was with that. Mm-hmm. Because he was talking about that way back in 2017, before. right? But, you know, then he was already sick of that point. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, that's another example. Bob's in the 70s. You know, it's it's like. How much longer are they, are they going to be able to do this? You know? Yes. Yeah. So it would be, be cool if they did a song together you know, and had, had Ozzy brought back Bob to think mm-hmm. like, Ozzy's solo career has definitely suffered as a result of not having Bob there. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, that would be cool just from a fan perspective. Will it happen? You and I both know there's a third party involved in that.
0: <laughs> well, given I, I don't I don't want to bring that third party up, but given um current events, who knows? Although uh she's been known to to come back from other uh controversies before. I think the uh the, the Arden genes uh <laughs> are bulletproof in a lot of situations where the rest of us would, would already have a chalk line around us. So uh yeah. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I I would love, you know, and and I think Ozzy and Sharon have been smart to surround him with a lot of great musicians over the years. I think, you know, if he does decide that he's going to hang it up, I think they should try to do something where they kind of corral all the the people that have had a big influence on his his albums over the years. I, I know some of them are, are gone already, but, you know, um, it would just be cool to hear, you know, uh, another track with Bob, another track with Jake, another track with Tommy Aldridge. You know, these are all guys that, yeah, <laughs> that, that's true.
1: There are guys waiting to get paid for, from the albums.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It, it it all it all comes down to that. So you're you're right. Um, speaking of getting paid, did you ever expect in your wildest dreams, when you were jamming with this band up in Vernon, um, uh, called the Misfits, that they would be selling out the Garden?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it was inevitable what happened. OK, I think um, I think the, the reasons for it taking place when it did, you know, are, are interesting and, you know, perhaps a, a different podcast entirely. But <laughs> sure. I, think, uh, I mean, it's really the misfits and minor threat. who are the holdovers for the union. Trail, you know? Right. Black Flag did it. That's mm-hmm. available whether or not it's really black flag. Right. A band called Black Flag featuring Greg Ginn put out new album mm-hmm. uh, you know the minor threat is still not doing it. And there's something kind of cool about that, I think. Right. Um but with the Misfits, I mean it was always it was always kind of in the background like that could be pulled out if necessary, you know, that could be Right. You know, um and, you know, I, I've thought a lot about it because I've been to a lot of those reunion shows, and it's just so nice to see those guys have that moment. And, you know, right. You know, have the victory lap as a band. Um, and, you know, a lot of people say, well, they did it because, you know, they're successful, because Danza is back. And that's true to a very large degree. You know. Mm-hmm. I think Glenn, even though it's not really the Glenn that we had in the 90s, it's kind of the, obviously the older Glenn, which is what we're talking about. So it's not quite the same anymore, but, um, you know, they still put on a great show. And, Uh you know, but really, I think the key to that reunion being successful, really, is Jerry Omer. Uh Because he was out there for 25 years working that catalog. Right. You well, know, by him being on the road for 25 years, he kept all those records out there in the marketplace and kept the name out there,
0: uh-huh.
1: um, albeit a very different version of the band. But the band he—he right. he was working that that brand. He was keeping that catalog alive. And um, I have talked to some people who are not in the Misfits anymore. No uh-huh. names mentioned, but you know, I, I have heard um, there's you know there are people who are quite happy. <laughs> that they're doing the reunion tours because that means they can sit back and get, you know, right. the royalties from the records they were on, you know, <laughs> so, right. uh, without having to do the work, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was really Jerry's doing, I think, uh, making that so successful. So Glenn could kind of come back in and then bang, you know, go for the app. But did I think it would happen? Yeah. Yeah, I figured eventually it would. You know, I think both of those parties would, would reach a point where they really had gone as far as they could go right as warmers and it was inevitable that, you know, because they each, each side had that as kind of the the nuclear option, <laughs> so <it's kind> of <laughs> right. back to speak. And if there's an opportunity to, to be reaching your retirement age and to have that be in retirement, I mean we would all take advantage of that, you know. Yeah. I'm just very happy it happened. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a big business <laughs> to <keep> get <laughs> that band moving, and there's right. a lot of new parts in that operation. Uh-huh. Um, it's cool that those moving really parts were addressed to the point where they could all go on stage and do it and put on a really good show. The last time I saw them was at Madison Square Garden, and right. you can imagine being the Jersey kid yourself. <laughs> or the guard and see your boys up there. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. It was fantastic. I went with a, a girl I've known since I was 10 years old. Right. You know, and we both grew up with these guys and knew them, you know, back when we were teenagers we knew Jeremy and Right. So it was fantastic to be there and see, you know, like just see them do that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, yeah, but it really, really always was a part of me that, that knew there would be an inevitability while well, they were all still alive, you know, and that's something else, too. A lot of these guys missed their opportunity because, you know, there's usually somebody missing from the equation. Right. But... Um, yeah. Did you go to any of those shows? Did you see those shows? Before? I
0: I didn't. I haven't. I haven't been stateside in eleven years now. So I mean, they've they haven't done any shows here in Europe. Um, mm. And and that was my next question. I don't know if you foresee post COVID. If if you think they'll continue on there. I mean, there've been all these rumors that that garden show or those shows that they played around that time that that was pretty much end of the road. But, um, I know a lot of people are clamoring to see them over here in Europe, but, um, again, you know, much to everything else we've been talking about, uh, they have, they, they honestly, uh, owe nothing to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, a, a great way for them to go out and, you know they should be masters of what they do with that name and and i think what you know what you said is very important for the longest time people didn't know if if this band was coming back so jerry's version of the band whether it's the resurrection lineup or the version that he had with descadena and so on and so forth um for a lot of people that was the closest that they felt they were going to get to see the Misfits. So to them, it was, uh, it was a party. It was something to go see because they loved the songs and they knew they were going to have a tremendous time at one of their shows. And someone like myself who likes pretty much every iteration of the band, um, to me, I, I think it's great that he was able to do that and that they were able to, to bring things back full circle. Um, obviously with this lineup getting back together again, I think if there was ever any chance of the resurrection lineup ever getting back together again, uh, after this, I, I personally don't see it, but you're, you know, you've got more of a ear to the ground in this, in, in this, uh, neck of the woods. So, <laughs> and you're shaking your head. No. <laughs>
1: um, I mean, I'm, I'm not, talking to Jerry and Doyle every day, you know, so right. I don't know what the latest news might be. But here's my guess. Um, here's my guess on that. I think a Draves era reunion mm-hmm. would be fantastic, personally. Because I was, that's my era, because I was in the right. room when the guys were writing those songs. Right. <laughs> so I'd love to see those guys work together again. Um and I could say, well, they don't get along. Well, you know, the other bunch made it work. So, Right. But, he, but here's the problem. Because the Misfits returned with the original, quote, unquote, original incarnation. Right. That obviously bumped them up tremendously in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. To give you a parallel example where I'm going with this, if you consider Black Sabbath in 1995, I think it was. Right. Run IRS records, they've just done that forbidden album. Um, I think Rondinelli was touring with them at the time, you know, a totally different band. Mm-hmm. We were a theater act at most. Right. When there was the Iommi Sabbath during all those incarnations, post-Dio, well maybe post gillen mm-hmm. It was all kind of theater level. Right. Ozzy comes, Sabbath becomes massive again didn't that mm-hmm. 97, 98, Ozzy does the Osborne TV show, which further mm-hmm. elevates the brand in the market. He tours with Sabbath. Ozzy's running Sabbath. Promoters, you know, the, the band can charge more, the promoters can pay more. Ticket prices go up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Heaven and Hell comes out after the Sabbath thing, with Dio rejoining the band. Who was a theater headliner at that point? Right. people forget that about Dio Dio was not filling out stadiums when they did Heaven and Hell mm-hmm. he was filling out 2,000 seaters not this and the guy but that's what he was doing he was doing 2,000 right. seaters 2,000 seaters with the Dio there
0: mm-hmm.
1: if they were to bring Dio in the band called Black Sabbath that would tank the previous 10 years of work they all put mm-hmm. in to build up the Sabbath name in the marketplace so right. It's the same thing with the Misfits. The Misfits now are a massive um, participant in the marketplace. They they mm-hmm. sold MSG. Right. The fucking Graves Channel, I can't sell out MSG. So why, <laughs> right. would they, why would they attach that brand name to that band? Right. So you're, I don't think you're, just from a business standpoint, it makes no sense. You know, I could see something like where they had it a few years ago. I think they're playing in Sayerville. Mm-hmm. And Danzig was headlining, and gorgeous Frankenstein, which was Doyle and Chud's band. Time open, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they brought Graves. They did like a medley of songs from,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Something like that could happen again. Mm-hmm. they actually go with the mystery of that lineup. No why would they do that? It would trash their market.
0: No. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. similar to to Heaven and Hell, you know, it'd make more sense for them to go out as like. Famous Monsters or something like that, that is a play on one of the album titles from, from that era. Um, But yeah, I, I I get exactly what you're saying. A lot of people don't understand that once a band transitions over to a brand name, uh, it's difficult. Or or once you're there, you want to maintain it. And you have a lot of people around you that say, well, your moves are X, Y, and Z. Um, this will maintain you, this may make you more money, but this will, you know, cut your income in half. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of this stuff isn't done just, just due to happenstance. A lot of people ask, you know, um, with like Stone Temple Pilots or Alice in Chains, why do they still use the name? Well, because Jerry Cantrell put out two fabulous kick-ass solo albums that no one bought. And then he came back with the Allison Chains name and continued to put out music that was as comparable as his solo work. And those albums sold while his name didn't sell. So why would you go back? And again, I don't think it's anyone's business to say, well, you need to retire the name. No. I work the name. I own the name. Why should I, you know, why should these people give up and Decide to start painting houses just because some dude on the internet says. Um,
1: well, it's know. like that Misfits album, that Project 1950, right? Yeah, those those 50s covers, which I actually yeah. I like more now than I did back then. <laughs> I would I like the right. so be very fond of that record, and the whole Jerry only version of the band with him singing, right. Um, but I was there's was a recent thread on Facebook. There's a there's a Misfits podcast, and the guy was asking, you know, why didn't Jerry just put out a Jerry Only and Friends doing Project 1950? Right, because he owns the name to the Miss the name Misfits. Of course, yeah. he put out anything he can. You know, he owns it. You know, he's able to use it. You know, so, okay, give me a
0: break. That's that, that's yeah. ridiculous. Top four selling T shirts of all time: Misfits, Ramones. Led Zeppelin and Motorhead. Right. Okay. Right now. I mean, out of, out of all of those, you tell me that if, if Mickey D and Phil Campbell could somehow use the Motorhead name in some capacity that they wouldn't use it, but I'm sure due to legal reasons and whatnot, mm-hmm. they can't, or maybe they already get a cut out of what was left behind, so there is no need for that. But if you have a money-making machine, which was, again, you said a, a podcast all onto itself, there are so many rumors and things about how much money they made off of merch over the years, uh, and off of the Crimson Ghost, and so on and so forth. Um, whether you like their music or not, they were still making a lot of money due to all the due to the correct marketing that they continued to do with with the band. So, you know, as as much as people say, oh, well, you know, it's not cool to wear your own merch or it's not cool to do this or to do that. At the end of the day, if you can make a living off of it, you know, again, who cares what some dude in their basement is saying?
1: Here's another example, which which I think even drives the point home, maybe a little bit further than than what we're talking about. Okay. Look at what's going on right now with Quiet Riot. Right. That's a prime example. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be argued that when, when Metal Health came out, there weren't any original members in right. and so that band has always had a very influx. Well, except for Kevin grow of course, but. You know, right. it, it, when they came out and did that Quiet Riot 3 album in the late 80s, 70s, mm-hmm. so, you know, so they again, they've always had this. Uh,
0: yeah, fluctuating lineup.
1: Yeah. Right. Frankie clearly had rights as the name. He brought it back. He sadly passed on and, and love the to Frankie the memory of Frankie Benalli, a wonderful um, guy. Um. You know, but so now they've got Johnny Kelly playing drums, you know, a totally different band. But, you know, Frankie's a, Frankie was a father, you know, uh, he was a partner, I'm sure. You know, he wanted to do what he had to do for those around him. Right. So arrangements were made. And the average person who's going to go to a casino and see a band play free, like, a, mm-hmm. like well, his son in Connecticut, you know, they have that right. rest where all these guys end up playing. You know, the average person who's there with their with their wife and kids on like a Sunday afternoon. Uh-huh. Oh, Quiet Riot's playing. I love that song, you know, from nineteen eighty yeah. whatever. I'm gonna go for <laughs> and check out Quiet Riot, you know? Yeah. Well they care about. It. They don't care if Johnny Kelly's playing drums. What the fuck do they care? Yeah. You know? They wanna they wanna hear those songs that are on the radio when they're at the beach and the 80s you know yeah yeah. yeah. That's, what, that's what people are trading on in the music industry that's that's their trade they're not trading on who's playing bass on this album on site or a the double live record or was it really this guy playing tambourine and shaking the sugar packets you know no yeah you and i care about that we care about right. that but right. you know, the average person doesn't and there are more of them than there are of us absolutely so, I think it makes it makes perfect sense. I look forward to seeing that incarnation of Quiet Riot to hear all those great songs. As <laughs> a fan of them as an entity, yeah, uh, but that's the purest example. There's nobody, but right. Uh, you, you can argue um, Chuck Wright has been around for a while, but you know you got Jizzy Pearl singing and Johnny Kelly on drums. I mean, is that Quiet Riot? Well, it is yeah. today, and it's cool that there's a Quiet Riot out there. So I'm gonna go. Buy my ticket and go to the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's the, why guys keep doing that.
0: The the casual fan, which is the difference between an album back in the day going, you know, gold to platinum. Um, the casual fan doesn't give a damn about who's in the band, as you're saying. It's just music nerds like us that, hey, Chuck Wright actually played on the track Metal Health and and on another track off of of Metal Health. So he has every right to be in the band type of a deal, you know. Um, Going back to Kiss, there are a lot of people that have, don't give a shit about Ace and Peter because all they're seeing is the makeup. I know that a lot of diehards, are going to shit on me for that, but (laughs) the image is what sells them on, on the show. And they're there to see a show. They're not there to say, Oh no, he did the fourth bar of the solo during, uh, you know, shouted out loud. uh, He played a hammer on instead of pinching off the, uh, the, the, the note, like ACE used to do it. You know, that that's like, that's less than 1% of the people that are at the show.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that's why, there's this industry, you know, with the fog hats and, and all these bands, you know, even ten years after are out there putting out when yeah. they're playing. You know, it's, it's one guy, she's two guys, but you know, it's not the classic bands anymore. Right. But you know, if somebody wants to have some nostalgia or just a fun night out, yeah. You know, um yeah, you because know, because we're all, I mean, <laughs> I'm a nineties kid, which means I'm approaching middle age. Actually I've kind of hit middle age <laughs> or you whatever. Know, so we're gonna be seeing all the hoobest Stanks and all, you know, right. all all these like, you know, um all these you know mid nineties bands playing or whatever that are gonna have like the bass player. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's, that's gonna be what's coming next. We're gonna have all these bands. I I I struggled to find names that I wasn't really into like the commercial stuff back then. But you get my point. It's like that. Yeah. You know, we are going to have those guys coming around, and you know Orgy's going to be playing the Stage Fair. You know, <laughs> right. the album, you know? It, it's just inevitable. And you know what? If you can go out there and tour and, and make money as a musician in 2021, mm-hmm. call yourself anything more <laughs> if you want. Get away with it if you've got the paperwork. As soon as you can do it, yeah. Do it. And, and playing until you reach that point, like Bill and Ozzy and those guys, we just can't do it anymore. But mm-hmm. Go for it. Because there's so many of us who haven't been able to get to that point. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. No the, the, the other thing, too, is, I mean, we've seen Motown acts do it for years. I remember, you know, growing up in Morris County in, in Dover. We had our fireworks every year. And, um and we had like almost every year was a different person who had been in the Supremes was there to kind of warm up the, the, um, uh, the fireworks, you know, before the fireworks went up, they had someone different who had been in the Supremes for like two months and, mm. you know, or the, you know, the, the great grandchild of the temptations and it's so on and so forth and the temptations. And it's like, okay, well, it's one of like three touring acts that's going out there using this name because they each legally, you know, own it and they can play shows in this area under that moniker. So, you know, it, it was only a matter of time until it happened in, you know, rock music. So I'm, I'm not surprised.
1: Well, there's no rule book for punk. There's no rule book for metal because right. those genres are, are kind of reaching middle age. Well, in terms yeah. of metal, it's surpassed middle age. Mm. But there's there's no, like, you know, Bill Haley and his Comets, you know, became death right. athletes, and they were playing, and, you know, yeah. and, you know, all the replacement people. Our genres are now reaching that age. Yeah. So it is very interesting to see how that kind of plays in, how there's only, like, one guy in the punk band. With, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing, like, the, the moldy oldies kind of tour, but it's our generation now.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's, then, uh I, I
1: think it's great. I saw The Temptations during that time you were mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw them. I, I can't remember. There's that big, that big theater in Morris, Morristown.
0: Um, that's, I think it's just the, uh, it used to be called the Morristown Community Theater, but I think they changed it. I think it's like an NJ Pack now. Uh, I forget.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I saw The Temptations there 20 years ago on Valentine's Day with my, my then girlfriend, old mm-hmm. friend. And it was like the, the least significant member of the Temptations was the original one. He, wasn't <laughs> a guy. He, wasn't right. a he was a U guy. It wasn't. He was guy in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a woman, like kids, you know, guys who were like half his age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were extraordinary. It was mm-hmm. the best Valentine's Day experience. And the songs were great. They sounded great. Everybody knew those songs, <laughs> and I and everyone else like this. on their face. So what's the harm in this, guys? You know, it's just music. And you know, I try to tell yeah. people that it's music and entertainment. Is it the entertainment business? When you go see Barnum and Bailey Circus, do you care if it's the original Fire Eater or not? Right. You know, <laughs> if they replace the elephant from the last time you saw it, you know, you, mm-hmm. you kind of have to put it in those terms as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. As long as you're entertained, I mean, I think that's, that's what matters. Because at the end of the day, I mean, you really want to analyze it you know it's similar to when people start to complain again whether someone has a name or not or whether you know a band is fractioned and you take someone's side or or whatnot you know at the end of the day you really don't have a horse in the race you know it's up to them in their relationships and different things, and if someone is coming around, and again, it's coming around as, as the temptations. Uh, Robin the chat is saying that he saw the temptations four tops and the OJ's in the eighties. I have to think that, you know, how many original members were there outside of you know the 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 U guy, as you're saying, you know, so. Um, there you go. Uh, the Mayo Performing Arts Center in Morristown. Yeah, I knew someone would chime in and, and correct me on that one. <laughs> um, you've been uh, rumoring at least two projects over the course of the last few years. Um, I'm not saying um, that you need to divulge anything, but are we closer to finding out about any of these projects? The musical projects? Yes, musical projects.
1: Um, one I can talk about, one I can't yet. Um, but the okay. first one, uh, it, I've been working on it, or we've been working on it on and off for almost four years now. Okay. It, it's going to be a single um, okay. that we've all agreed will be a, a charity single for dog rescue. Okay. Um, and I wanted to do a charity single for dog rescue because mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's a, it just as a as a principal cause very close to my heart. And it okay. is an unnamed project, and it started with myself and the saxophonist from the band Pig Face I've been a part of. Uh, okay. And it kind of grew to include other members of Pig Face as well as some friends who heard about it, and I said they could be a part of it. So it's a either a 12-member or a 13-member band. Okay. Uh, I don't know the full list, me, but it's around 12 or 13 people, and it's uh, four drummers, uh, three bass players, guitar, sax, keys, percussion. It's all over the place. It's all being done with people around the world. Cool. Uh, as far as the members of the band, um, Ted Parsons, who used to be in Pong, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, swans he's one of the drummers with myself and martin king from test department who knows a mm-hmm. big, uh, dog tablet right uh, and uh credit breakman used to be in l7 and the nines and David jane county and big Baby, she's one of those players uh okay. and troy gregory used to be in fox and the Jetson, Pong, yeah, yeah. Uh, doing a remix so I Might not be correct, but I, I'm pretty damn sure that when the song comes out, it's the first time that Ted Parsons and Troy Gregory have been on a song together in 30 years. Yeah, okay. You were on the Prove You Wrong record, yeah, back in the day. So we're waiting for one final person, uh, to put their contributions down on the song, okay? And then we we'll to do um, the main track, which you'll have to hear it. It just it's it's crazy, and then cool. we've got. Um, two separate remixes right now. Oh, okay. Uh, it's being remixed um, by Martin King and this guy Bolo Suave, who's in a bunch of bands, The Associates, who's in The Cure for a bit in the 90s. Okay. So it'll be a cool EP. Uh, we don't have a name for that yet, but we're, we're one person away from finishing it and, like, mix and all that. So I'm hoping that will be out at the end of the year. The second project um, is not a twelve-person band. It's part of okay. a quartet or a quintet, okay. um, and it's it's with a couple of the same people, um, but some other people who I can't announce yet. Okay, uh, but we're going to be because we're that. It's going to be really cool when it's done. It's okay. I thought to myself, who would be of my musician base? Who would be the people who I really want to do something with if I had the opportunity kind of pick and choose? Like Desert mm-hmm. Island, it just like a band, not like a project where it's 12 different people. Right. They'd make the streamlined thing. And who would I have produce it if I had the choice <laughs> And all that's kind of happening. Oh, wow. A lot of yeses from mm-hmm. my way, and a lot of whenever you're ready, let's do it from my way. Oh, cool. So, um, we have to wait for the pandemic to get a little bit, yeah. Done. Um, but once everybody involved is vaccinated and comfortable to touring, um, there'll be a congregation in the midwest with <laughs> <Those laughs> some very, very, very cool people. I'll tell you, I'll tell you off the air with this, but I, I just can't say it yet because I think when I do, it's going to be people are going to be reporting on it and stuff like router. Yeah, Something tangible to show people because it could be probably a year or more until it's actually finished. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, this is a great example of the fact that we, we can't be connected. We can still make music and, and technologies enable files to be shared and, right. um, you know, just wonderful people. And, and I've been very fortunate in that with all the people I've worked with, I have this fantastic well of musicians who. Um, or also dear friends, and uh, I can reach out to them in various combinations and say, right. "Hey, let's do a thing," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and they will be a thing. Um, so I'm really excited about both of them. The, the, the second one that I can't get into too much, I and mean, that's just like, I get it. I mean, that's that's gonna be. I can probably stop playing after that. I'm not gonna talk. <laughs> <to> it. <laughs> you know, this is this is as far as it's gonna go.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Um... Last, before we wrap things up here, um, where do you want people to pick up your books? I know the other day you posted something about there being some sort of like price gouging for some of the books that, that you've released, um, and you wanted people to go to a specific site. Is it Lulu that you want people to go to, or what? What? Do you, where do you want to point people to to pick up your material? Uh.
1: Well, first of all, I I would I would um, encourage people to go to whatever bookseller online or otherwise they're most comfortable using. Okay. But my price point is irrelevant. Whatever's easiest for you, okay You do that, whether it be Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, if it does make a difference for anyone going to woowoo.com, L U L U dot I get the most out of every sale that way. But mm-hmm. By all means, use whatever method is easiest for you. Um, I would encourage you to keep in mind that nothing I've ever published has been above the $25 price point. Right. That's for a hardcover book. Um, the 3AM girls is should only be $7, plus mm-hmm. whatever shipping option you choose. Right. It should only be $7. Um, if it's higher than that, I would be suspicious of where you're getting it from. Okay. And I would I would keep that in mind. Um, like I said, the most expensive book I have for sale is is twenty five dollars. Um, the another one is nine dollars, and three AM forms is is seven. Um, so keep that in mind, guys. If you see my, if you see the prices a little bit higher than that, call mm-hmm. another seller because I would I would certainly not charge that kind of money for for what I put out. I don't believe in that shit. Um, but yeah, Woulu is probably the easiest as far as taking care of me. <laughs> but by all means, please use whatever site. Go, go to Amazon. Just like I said, just be very cautious of the price point you're looking at. If it's higher than 25 bucks, it ain't coming from me. So uh, okay. I would just try that.
0: And if people want to keep up with what you have going on, whether it's any of the articles that you post or any books in the future or any music reviews or anything, where do you want them to go? Uh,
1: they can go to my website, uh, joelgoston.com. My first name is J-O-E-L. Mm-hmm. My last name is G-A-U-S, like Sam, T-E-N, like And there'll be um, a lot of content coming to the website in, in April.
0: Cool. Awesome. Well, I love having you back. Let's make it... Uh not 10 years the next time
1: <laughs> absolutely really nice seeing you again i'm glad we're able to do this and um i do follow what you do and you know it's always a pleasure connecting and um, yeah I, I hope that continues for a long time to come and I, yeah, like yeah if you said you know, let's not wait another 10 years when the um when the music starts coming out we'll maybe reconnect and chat again
0: yeah awesome i would love to do that and like i said would when- Love to help promote what you have going on, so it's it's always fun. You know, we've talked quite a bit offline, uh, you know, through Facebook and whatnot, and it's always fun to uh, to talk to you and get and see like different things that you post about. And you know, I don't comment on everything, but you know, a, lo- a lot of a lot of times, um, uh, less is more. So uh, you know, it's one of those things where. I like reaching out to you when I see something that really uh, grabs my attention. And and then the other day when you reached out to me, I was like, perfect opportunity to ask Joel to, uh, to come on. So it was um, I'm glad that you did. So
1: thank you very much. And thank you to everybody who's been in the chat as well. Um, thank you for checking this out and listening to me blabber on for an hour. I I write for a reason because I'm not very good at this. So I I appreciate you sticking in (laughs) and checking this out. Thank you.
0: Well, I, I, most of everyone that's in the chat here is a diehard that comes back week after week. And, you know, I, I think that they all at this point know that um, that I just like going after good conversations. And I think most of them, enjoy what people i bring on because it doesn't always have to be about you know the glitz and the glamour it can be just two guys just shooting the shit about music or different aspects of music or entertainment so um i i hope everyone enjoyed this and again i i really enjoyed being able to catch up with you tonight
1: thank you victor thank you everyone um enjoy your your weekends to come and uh, we'll do this again soon
0: thank you awesome all right joel thank you very much
1: take care cheers
0: all right, but there you go. That was uh, my interview there with Joel Gaston again, Jersey guy. Ended up at 17 playing for the Misfits. So when you think about the Michael Graves lineup in the mid 90s, um, while they were trying out singers, the drummer Dr. Chud or the drummer Dr. Chud was the guy producing the singers. So Joel, a 17-year-old kid who lived in the neighborhood, who happened to be a drummer as well, was drafted into the ranks of the band by uh, Jerry Olney and by Doyle. So he's got such a great storied um, you know, history with music. He's played with The Undead. He's played with Electric Frankenstein, You know, a lot of different horror punk bands. He's played with Pig Face. And um, he's definitely he's played in a lot of different projects, and uh, he's he's a cool guy. And uh, it's funny because um, he he posted something not too long ago because he's interviewed Michael Sweet a few times over the years, and Michael Sweet and him are kind of at opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to religion. And what I love about Joel is that he's very respectful towards people, whether you know their ideology is is the same or not you know at the end of the day it's like being hired on to to be a musician in a band if you're asked to play a certain part you know you can't always say oh well you know I'm going to play it this other way because this is what I do well no you know be respectful to to to, to those around you and and those that are trying to get this done I don't know Um uh, maybe using the incorrect analogy, but um, I I like the way that he approaches things. It's always fun to talk to him, and and like I said, you know I want to have him back again. And and you know, you guys that are here week after week, I've had uh, Mister Brad Dahl, who's in the chat, saving the world out there in Utah. I have uh, Rob from the uh, Rock and Roll Podcast. I have my cousin Jose up there in Connecticut. Thank you for stepping in and mentioning the uh, thing in Morristown, the the theater, because that's changed names several times. Jeremy Weltman, of course, in the UK. And I want to send a shout out to my other uh, patrons who are out there who will more than likely listen to this at a later date. Um, we have Mr. Mike Jones. We have Steve Hoker. Uh, we have Mr. Mark Striegel and we have um, another, another family member, the uh, heavy metal dentist, Mr. Gabriel Ruiz. So there you go, guys, as usual, I appreciate your time. I said it before during the show, I appreciate anyone who checks this out whether it's live, whether it's the replay, it means the world to me um, that 11 years later, people still give a crap about what um, uh, about what shows I put together. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this chat with Joel. And there will be more similar. Um, <laughs> Brad says, well, "Let me bring this up on on the big screen." Does it come up now? Yeah, so this is new. Okay, you just made Shelly laugh as I am sending someone into the hospital. It's not funny, but you have to laugh or you will go crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> Comedy uh, helps a lot, especially, I mean, I can't even imagine. Um, Humanity is supposed to be the smartest animal. Sometimes you got to question that. So that's that. Anyway, guys, um, we will be back next week. Don't know if there will be a midweek episode or not. Uh, That may be something that I start to do from time to time. We'll see. And depending on what opportunities come my way, because a lot of people, for some reason, uh, haven't been all that flexible for joining me um, Friday nights. So uh, if if you're on Patreon, you'll know exactly what I mean. So, uh, um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Anyway, thank you guys for, uh, checking in. Let me, uh, let me get the, uh, this going. That's it, man. Uh, I truly believe that you guys are great listening week after week. You guys do deserve a, a round of applause and um, hope all you guys have a great weekend and we'll see you next time right here on the signals from Mars live stream brought to you by the Mars attacks podcast. We will see you next week.